Hello, Bob Frankel. Nice Hello. to meet you on the internet again, and welcome to the show. Thanks and for having me. Pleasure. And um, so you work for a very interesting hemp T-shirt brand called Young Maven, and I'm very fascinated by Young Maven. I know um, Rob, the founder, we've like, you and I have met a bunch mm -hmm. of times at the trade show circuits, and I think what you guys are doing are really fantastic. Um, so for folks out there who don't know about Young Maven, do you want to give us a bit of a rundown on the brand? Yeah, I mean, we're just, uh, we've been around, for, this is our 15th year, um, and we're a lifestyle apparel brand that focuses on hemp and organic cotton, and we also make everything in the U.S., in Los Angeles. So, you know, we focus on getting people into comfortable clothes. Uh, and we started, you know, mostly a tops company, but we do have some bottoms uh, as well. And, um, yeah, the line's been expanding quite a bit over the last couple of seasons. And, mm. um, yeah, it's really, really doing quite well. Right on. Um, now, I know, like, um, the brand's been a real big advocate for hemp as a mm -hmm. material, um, mm -hmm. especially like in the U.S. I know that um, Rob had a had a brand before Young Maven called uh, Manastash, and that was a very hemp-focused brand. Also, um, mm -hmm. why hemp? Um, well, I think I mean Rob and I kind of came to it through similar ways. Uh, I think we were both introduced to the uh, the idea of industrial hemp when we were in college, and a lot of it back then had to do with um, you know hemp being used as a resource uh, to make uh, like paper products and things like that to you know promote the use of that as opposed to uh, cutting down you know trees and old growth mm. uh, to make paper products and wood products. Um, you know, in the Pacific Northwest where where we live. I mean, it doesn't take a long drive to get out to a point where you just see, um, you know, clear cuts. Um, and so, you know, hemp is a, re a renewable resource that can grow, you know, relatively quickly and, you know, 90 to 120 days. Uh, and uh, it seemed like a really good opportunity to, to use something renewable such as industrial hemp than it did, you know, using wood pulp. Mm. So... And then, you know, there was also all of these other elements to it, clothing and, and biomass and hempcrete and all, it's, it, you know, hemp in the, mid, in the, in the early 90s uh, kind of reemerged as this uh, possible, you know, wonder plant that could solve a lot of issues. And it was at a time when, you know, hemp was not legal in the United States mm. and, um, uh you know, so there was a certain taboo to it, I think, as well. And, mm. yeah. So Let, Let's talk I mean, about that. Yeah. Um, like, I know that hemp has had a real trouble, a PR problem in, in modern history. And it's got a lot to do with its confusion with the marijuana, the marijuana mm -hmm. plant with um, THC in it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, tell me about, like, how it, why it was banned and how long it's taken to, you know, lift that. Yeah. Well, I mean, industrial hemp was, was lumped in with, 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 uh, marijuana and, and, uh, the marijuana tax act passed in 1937. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so 
along with that, you know, went industrial hemp as well. Um, and then during World War II, uh, they lifted that, and there were hemp crops that were grown uh, all the way into the early 1950s. Oh, yeah, right. Uh, and they were planting so much industrial hemp in the United States that, uh, you know, there were still, like, pockets of it uh, like growing in, in sort of, you know, as, like, ditchweed in, in, like, Illinois and in the South and Kentucky and places like that. Yeah, right. So, um, it's a very interesting crop. Um, there's, like, you know, like a bunch of properties about the crop that um, that y- when used as a rotation crop can be mm-hmm. beneficial. What, like, tell me about that. Well, it'll, it'll take a lot of toxicity out of, out of the soil, which mm-hmm. is one thing, and it'll also uh, add nitrogen back into the soil. Um, oh, really? So it's, it's, it's a great, you know, it's, a, it, you know, just like clover, or a lot of other crops, but it's a really good, it's a, re, you know, hemp as a, a, as a, as a renewable resource is, um, it doesn't require, uh, insects, insecticides, chemical fertilizers like, like cotton does. I mean, cotton mm-hmm. is one of the most, uh, over sprayed, um, you know, crops in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's certainly a lot of fertilizer, and chemical fertilizer, you know, insecticides that get used um, in producing, you know, a cotton t-shirt as opposed to a hemp t-shirt or a hemp t-shirt that's blended with organic cotton. Yeah, right. Have Have we as people been using hemp as a crop for for a long time, or has it been? I, yeah, I would say no. I mean, uh, as a as a <laughs> yeah, probably yeah, for like millennia. Wow. <laughs> uh, and, but, you know, it, it certainly, um, I th- it really started kind of gaining sort of like a second steam in the United States uh, in the early 1990s. Um, a lot of a lot of folks like like myself, I think, kind of gravitated to like the, like Jack Herrera's The Emperor Wears No Clothes. Um, and uh, there were sort of a lot of people kind of diving into that space um, in the mid 90s um, where. They were starting clothing companies and they were starting cosmetic companies um, and these small sort of grassroots, you know, efforts that that became the industrial hemp industry as, as what it is today. Um, and there's still some of those, you know, pioneers, I guess that you could call that that have sort of been through that whole shift. Uh, you know, Rob's one of those people. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I don't think that back in the mid 90s, we would have looked at. Uh, what has become the the uh, the industrial hemp industry as it is today with with things like CBD mm. and and you know that whole element to it because it's you know it's it, it's really gone off off the chain in the last few years yeah. with utilization of industrial hemp in the US so and like yeah with the diversification of like the use of industrial hemp like do you think it's gone in a good direction with the, um, you know, the with all the CBD products that are now legal? Um, I mean, I think there's going to be a um, there's going to be a huge shakeout at some point. Mm. It, um, it seems there are to so me like, many. Oh, sorry. Yeah. It seems to me like it you, with that new application, it's getting very confusing with marijuana again. I, I think it is. I, I mean, to a degree, especially because you have uh, a lot of places where marijuana is legal. Mm-hmm. So there are are places where 
you know, you're looking at what percentage of CBD versus THC do you want in this craft marijuana that you're going to consume. Mm. Uh, but there are a lot of other CBD products out there that don't contain THC that, you know, are, are really beneficial. Mm. I think there's just so many people diving into that space that, you know, there's like CBD everything. Yeah. And a lot of it is certified and a lot of it's not. And uh, I mean, I don't have that much. I don't have any experience in mm -hmm. that to, to speak to that. But, um, you know, I think there's going to be have to be a shift at some point to uh, the other uses that that, you know, that hemp can provide as mm -hmm. a as a plant. Um, I mean, because I also think so many people grew industrial hemp without having uh the down chain supply of mm. what they were going to do with all this all these crops yeah um, right and in places like you know in oregon uh like southern oregon i know that there were a lot of um acres of of harvested industrial hemp that were not being processed just because there was a huge glut in the market yeah right. uh, so yeah i mean it's just you know a lot it, it, there's a lot of a lot of things that need to be figured out. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of farmers that kind of just dove in and like, oh, this is going to save everything. And uh, there was just so much. Uh, there were so many people planting so many acres at one time. Mm -hmm. without, um, Too much uh, supply and not yeah. enough demand. So exactly. what, what are some of the applications, other applications of industrial hemp? Well, I, I think it, it depends on how you're going to grow it. Um, right. I mean, and there, there's certainly a need to have a certain element of infrastructure that doesn't quite exist in the U.S. at the moment. Mm. Um, we don't have the ability currently in the U.S. to take hemp fiber and turn it into commercial printing paper. Oh, right. uh, we used to, but those mills are actually offline mm. uh, and, and were actually dismantled and, and exported. Right. Uh, about a decade ago. So there's that. I mean, you know, if, if you started sort of ramping up some of these smaller mill towns that are looking for uh, something to do, you know, economically, you, you could have paper production. You could have, you could, they, some places could be making hempcrete for building materials. Um, obviously, you know, th there's, there would be a demand for fabric um, and, uh, you know, a whole host of applications. It just it's just how how you bring those things online and how long that's going to take to to ramp that up. Yeah. You know, it would definitely take somebody to put some serious um, equity in, right? Uh, to make something like that happen. And that kind of all plays in with the whole um, that whole debate of do we make in do we produce things like this in America or does mm -hmm. that all go offshore? Which is you know like we've seen so many of. So many great fabric mills in America closed their doors, like cone denim. It's true. And, um, yeah. you know, a lot of things have been moved offshore. And I feel like now with the – since the pandemic, this question of, like, have we moved – has America moved too much of its production offshore is, mm -hmm. like, becoming becoming a hot topic of conversation right now. Yeah, I, yeah. I would yeah. say we, we have. I mean uh, – uh, the U.S. as a culture has has definitely done that. Mm. Uh, I mean, I remember when I was a kid and we would go to a store and my, my father would, he would point out everything that was made in the U.S. Um, and you, you see that so less frequently now. 
and you have to see, search it out. You know what I mean? And that's why there's that's why there's kind of like that's why there's so many stores that that buy our product because they focus on American made mm-hmm. brands. Yeah. Uh, let's so, go, let's go into that. Um, so like, where are you making your clothes? Where does your hemp come from? Where's our it made into from, textile? Yeah. Well, we primarily all all of our fabric comes from China. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have some yarns that come into the states and are actually knit in Los Angeles. Oh, right. So that also kind of like feeds into uh, creating that sort of baseline of an infrastructure where mm-hmm. at some point you could have more and more fabric being made in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do we do a lot of our cut and sew and dyeing in Los Angeles, um, and that. Except with the exception of our socks and our sheets, everything else is, is made in the U.S. Um, so, and you know, and that's kind of like that's like the cornerstone of our brand. Yeah, uh, we're kind of like the reverse of like an like a U.S. Uh, uh, a T-shirt that is made uh, offshore, where the cotton is grown in the U.S. and then shipped, you know, mm-hmm. somewhere else, and then comes back as a yeah as a, as another type of product. I can so. totally relate to that with my brand. Mm. But, um, yeah, I think it's important for people to know that, like, yeah, China is the biggest um, producer of hemp in the world right now. And there are literally only 30 countries in the world that grow, that produce mm-hmm. industrial hemp. And therefore, like, when as this kind of old but quite relatively new material as a textile it's kind of it's not easy to source something all on shore and um yeah it's it's a like a really interesting time that's why you guys are doing all so much work to kind of spread awareness about about hemp um i think yeah i mean i think there's still i mean there's a lot of brands using hemp but i mean if you look at it on the on the great scale of you know how much uh, product is made by, you know, the fashion industry. I mean, it's like this tiny little speck. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we we are still like a very niche cottage industry in a way. Interesting. You know? I mean, we our 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 production runs are, you know, and, and you know this as well. I mean, our production runs are like sample runs of large manufacturers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so. You know, there was a time in which I used to work at Levi Strauss and, you know, their sample runs for like a thousand wow. units um, of, of one style. So, yeah, right. Yeah. So, you know, that, that that's, you know, that, that yeah. difference is just, you know, astronomical. Yeah. So, I think like it's part of the reason why I kind of started this podcast is because I wanted people to know like the, how – how diverse the spectrum of a fashion business like scale wise can be Mm -hmm. and i really feel like small businesses are really important super important part of the economy that kind of balances um large corporation Mm -hmm. um and within the fashion industry i can only think of like one big guy patagonia who i would who i Mm -hmm. would really would be the only big corporation that I would put my money towards. And, like, they they use hemp. They have some hemp products as well. They um, do, yeah. I think I heard somewhere, like, um, in the early days, um, 
Rob had a had a booth at a show somewhere, and and the Patagonia guys came along and had a look at his gear and and started making hemp products after they saw his stuff. I I'd have to let him speak to that. It, <laughs> it could have happened. <laughs> yeah, which is um, not uncommon, but no, like, not at all. But it's cool that you know there's more you know more people are using the material because it's such an uh-huh. interesting sustainable material. Um, yeah, like that comes to inspiration. Like where does the brand find inspiration for the product range? I mean, I think a lot of it comes just out of like wearing it. Um, you know, we wear our product constantly. Mm. So we cut, you know, and, and so I think there's also like a comfort element to it. Um, and we make little tweaks here and there. I, I think a lot, Rob does a lot of that. Like he'll be, he'll, He'll try on a shirt for a couple of months and be like, you know, we could just make this a little longer. We can make this a little wider. Um, I mean, things like our Baja tea, which have, I mean, they've been the cornerstone of our line since the, the company started. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he also, uh, you know, borrows some some things from the, from the past. Um, you know, oh. things like old, like I had an old. Uh, uh, he was talking about making a pair of uh, shorts. Um, and he was talking about these old pair of Manastas shorts, right? And he's like, oh, man, I wish I had a pair of those. And I was like, I actually have a pair of those. Oh. And he was like, what? Oh, my God, you got to send them to me. So, you know, so we, we made a, a run of these shorts, you know, basically based on a style that he had made you know, like 20 years ago. Nice. So it was, you know what I mean? It had come full circle. Yeah, that's fun. And so, Yeah. So there's, like, there's, sorry, you go ahead. No, I mean, so uh, yeah, there's stuff like that. Yeah. Um, or I remember when we were making, we were making uh, uh, some of the original uh, uh, Sierra Raglans, and I remember being with Rob at near, at the factory, and he was looking at the fabric, and he was like, "Turn one in." He's like, "I'm going to have one of these made inside out, and we're going to call it the Sherpa." And we did that, and then we ca- we ended up having that as a Sherpa for like for years, nice. you know. So it's just these little these little things, and you just try it out, and and sometimes it sticks, and then sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, it's like a real like like um, bodily kind of like you have to kind of wear it, and like and and you know like it's a very tactile thing, I think. Um, oh yeah, and like you know it like really fascinates me that like you guys well um rob dove into the like hemp using hemp as a fiber to make knitwear like it's not exactly Mm -hmm. the the first thing you would think of when you're like oh i'm gonna make like a whole brand based on hemp let's make hemp knitwear that's kind of like a relatively new thing in terms of hemp textiles um, I mean, there were, I think that, you know, th- there has always been some t-shirt lines and some knitwear lines. Um, and I think, I think, you know, he kind of, and a lot of that fabric has developed over time. Mm. Um, I mean, when, when he first got into this and like when I first started kind of getting into this a little bit and I, I had had a store and that's how I, how I met him, uh, I mean, some of the stuff was just awful. <laughs> yeah, it was. I can imagine. It was uh, 
there's a couple of companies we used to work with and you would get the product at the store and uh, my brother and I used to say, those guys make the best samples. Because <laughs> you, know, you would see these samples and then the product would show up and it was just awful. Mm. And it was like, okay, it's like, there's like a learning curve to this. Yeah, you're going to need to wash that like 50 times before mm. you can really wear it. Yeah. Um, but there was also a strength element to it and a real staying power element to to some of it. Um, but yeah, no, I, I totally understand. I mean, there were a lot of, uh, Muslims and, and tight weave fabrics, uh, that were not Jersey weight. Um, and that's definitely changed quite a bit over the, t over the years. Mm. Um, you know, when we started, you know, kind of moving into some of the, like the lighter weight five ounces and things like that, um, uh, they, there was definitely, much more of a, a like a comfort level to it mm. and like an airy feel to it as opposed to that standard seven ounce you know baja that that's a great t-shirt and it's tough as nails but you know in the middle of august mm. might not be your go-to shirt when it's hot yeah uh, or especially so. also because you cater to both men and women and I feel like mm. the female customer definitely needs a more soft skin feel, um, yeah. a soft touch. Yeah, sure. Mm. Um, and that was, you know, the five ounce, uh, 5545 is what we, we make the laurel tea in. Mm. And then the Ojai is what we make the, uh, is with the 3070 fabric. And I think those, those two fabrics are lighter and are more complementary towards like a women's silhouette, you know, mm. for sure. But one thing that did really catch my attention was the 100% hemp tea. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Was that challenging to get right as a tea? It, it still is. It's still, <laughs> I mean, it, it's, um, it's a really hard fabric to work with. Mm. Uh, the fabric, ha uh, it depends on each individual, like, production run of that fabric mm. when we get it. Wow. Um, I mean, sometimes that fabric uh, is is really perfect, and then sometimes it has a lot of torque to it. Mm. Uh, so, from a production standpoint, it, it can be really difficult to cut and to to work with. Uh, but it's a great fabric. I mean, mm. I, I've I have I have some old hundred percent hemp tees that you know have really lasted and become really soft, almost like raw silk. Um, and, you know, if, you, if you're doing laundry and you, you see one, you're like, oh, I'm going I'm to wear that one, you know. I mean, they're, they're great shirts. Um, so you can you know, put them through the wash quite a lot and they'll, they'll stand up. Yeah. I mean, every our labels uh, all say to wash on a cool setting and dry on a cool setting. Um, and I wash everything on a hot setting and dry mm -hmm. everything on a hot setting. Interesting. Um, you know what I mean? I, we, I just, it's just for us in our, at our home, at least it's, it's everything's just wash and wear. Mm. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a good shirt for sure. Mm. And, and, you know, I mean, I, I think you all, you just need to find the one that you like for what you're going to be using it for, yeah, you know, are you totally. going for a hike? Are you going camping? Are you going to wear it as a layer? You know, mm. that sort of thing. Um, you know. I know the hemp fiber is like really like when you're spinning it into a, a yarn, it's very irregular, like it's very slubby. Mm -hmm. And therefore, the machines that you use for knitting it um, must 
well, for first for processing it, then to make it into a fiber. I would imagine you would be using like pretty old school machines, um, mm-hmm. kind of like um, the the denim machines that we use from Japan. Like mm-hmm. a lot of the those slubby fibers can't be processed on modern machines. Is that the case for for the hemp? Yeah, I'm, I don't personally have a lot of experience. Uh, it, I've, I've never, um, I've never been to China to see you know the, the production mm. happening, um, but I have, uh, I've certainly seen uh, video of it and mm. I've seen photographs of it, and it's, it's definitely like, yeah, they're definitely like old machines. Mm. Uh, you know, some are probably um, from the fifties, mm. I would say, um, and have been you know, used, you know, it seems like forever, you know, mm-hmm. you see, you see all these, uh, sort of, uh, the sense of all these, all this, all these, uh, strands coming in and, and, and then getting knit together. Um, but I mean, a lot of that slubbiness too is a characteristic of the fabric, mm-hmm. which is uh, why it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think then when you take something like a long bass fiber, like hemp, and then you mix it with a short bass fiber, like a short fiber, like, like cotton, then I think you get a little bit more of that texture as well. Mm-hmm. I think um, the blending really makes it into this very sophisticated product. Um, mm-hmm. Going back to the, the China um, China and the US, you know, Trump has made things very difficult for people with the tariff wars. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we were in a cold war just before this, this pandemic with all the, the economic, um, you know, pricing uh, tariffs. And have, has that been difficult? for the brand it hasn't been great um (laughs) i mean uh i mean yeah our our fabric costs have gone up Mm. uh just by virtue of uh, a 25 percent tariff wow Uh, that's big and then they have sort of gone up twofold because then to ship that product into uh the eu cost another 25 percent so we've had to kind of roll with that in a way to to not raise our prices too much mm. but we've had to, to to we've absorbed as much as it, as we can but we have had to, to raise mm. our prices that is very challenging um has yeah. it has it you know made you cur- made you guys curious about looking for for other countries as you're sourcing for for the flat for hemp I mean, I don't think there's anyone currently making um, that, you know, that type of fabric that we're accustomed to working with. Mm. Um, And we work with a couple of uh, close uh, fabric suppliers that we've been working with, you know, for 15 years Mm. or more. And then uh, we do uh, work with a couple of um, uh, uh, direct suppliers. but, you know, we're just trying to make it work. Yeah. Uh, and we try to buy in enough bulk uh, for the season so that we can try to, like, you know, work with it and, and not have to have something that is significantly more expensive. Mm, yeah. So. But um, it's been interesting. So, like, a couple of weeks ago, I was, speak- I was speaking to a writer called uh, – her name's Yumiko Sakuma, and she – She's a Japanese um, American writer, and she mm-hmm. wrote recently published a book called 
uh, let's talk about marijuana in Japan, which is like was pretty controversial because yeah, in Japan um, it's completely like taboo to start with culturally, and then mm-hmm. you're not allowed to advocate for marijuana in Japan. Mm-hmm. But she was um, fascinated with uh, looking at Asia. She was fascinated by Thailand, where I am, um, because mm-hmm. there's this really burgeoning um, industrial hemp and medical marijuana industry that is starting up. Um, I, I myself have been using hemp um, fabrics grown and woven in Thailand um, for the mm-hmm. last couple of years. Um, but I did come across um, a great knitting factory that do are knitting very interesting hemp, pure hemp and hemp um, blend um, fabrics. And mm-hmm. yeah, it was. It's really interesting to watch. I think the hemp industry may it be controversial. It's like it's, people call it a cash crop, and it for for a country it can be it can be you know jobs. Um, it oh, can yeah, be for foreign sure. investment and see a lot of growth in whatever region it it is. So I think it's like a really interesting. Um, interesting fiber also like to me this fiber represents cottage industry because of how like niche and small it is um Mm -hmm. yeah um like so going back to the business of young young maven and you know we've seen a big change in the fashion industry because of the pandemic um there's a lot of uncertainty of how we're going to run our businesses. And, yeah, sure. And for you guys, the men's trade show season is coming up real soon. Coming what the heck? Up. What the heck are you guys going to do? <laughs> I'm curious. Uh, we're not going to New York for it. I mean, there are no fashion shows, right? Mm. Um, it's funny, Rob and I, when this thing first started, you know, he's like. Oh man, you know we might not be going to New York until September. Well, I was like, I if, don't know. If September, if, if September, I was like, I'm from New York. I don't know if I ever want to go back there right now. Mm. Um, I mean, I've been at home for next week. will be ten weeks at home, mm. just you know, just like 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 you've been. Um, and it definitely changes everybody every, your focus. Um, I mean, I know that the like the trade shows are are trying to move to a uh, a bit of like an online. Mm. portal um so that'll be interesting to see how how that plays out um we had been talking about you know with with so many people having zoom calls and 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 sort of video chats and conferences and stuff like that um we're actually setting up a a trade show booth in our warehouse Mm. um and uh we're going to be showing our line in sort of a virtual way um, and we, we, we've already, you know, we've al- already been working with you know, Brand Boom and and things like that to show a digital line in a way that uh, has allowed, you know, stores who don't go to the trade shows mm. to 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 buy into the line. Um, you know, like we used to go to New York, and then we also used to go to Vegas, and we stopped going to Las Vegas, and we stopped doing shows in in, in Los Angeles for the most part. So, I mean, we were really just doing like the New York uh, men's and women's show twice a year, um, and so if you didn't make it to those shows, 
you had to either buy off the line sheet or, you know, check it out via brand boom. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think there's just going to have to be a little bit more of that going on. Yeah. Uh, the way we kind of see it is that, you know, someone might, they might look at the digital line sheet and they might just kind of do a pull and then for an appointment, um, we could have some of those pieces, uh, put on the side that we could show in, in a, in a more detailed way, mm-hmm. um, you know, by video, uh, but have it actually, you know, have it try to be like a trade show appointment, yeah. you know, a half hour, 45 minute appointment, just like, you know, and it'll, it'll actually be a little bit more d- interesting because I mean, you've done the shows mm-hmm. and then when you're, when you're showing the line and then you have somebody else come and see you all of a sudden every store shows up at the same time. Yeah. Uh, there won't be as much of that. Yeah. Uh, you will be showing the line to three different stores at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, and then it'll be, I mean, they'll have a little bit more of a curated experience, but it won't be as hands-on. Yeah. Because the experience that we were all accustomed to in doing these shows, like the Man Women show, uh, are going to be a thing of the past. Yeah. At least for the time being. Mm. I mean, it doesn't seem uh, like it's going to work out to have people from all over the world, get on planes, <laughs> go to a place, and have nothing but uh, non-social distancing activities. Yeah. By way of touching hangers and handshakes and hugs and high fives. You know and what I mean? being all in one and all room. right there. All yeah. one, one room. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just not feasible mm. in, in that regard anymore. Um and I also think retail is going to change. Yeah. I think the nature of retail is changing and it's just, there's just a little taste of what that looks like now as stores begin to at least reopen in the United States and a little bit in Europe uh, and how they are creating a, a, a retail experience for, you know, their, their, you know, their buyers, mm. you know, and a lot of people are doing appointment only right now. And a lot of people are just having, you know, one, two, three people in the store at a time. Um, so I think, you know, for small stores, I don't think, I think it, it, it'll be a little bit easier for them to do that. Um, and they'll probably, you know, someone who's coming into the store is going to have a little bit more of a one-on-one shopping experience, mm. which they may they may they may enjoy bet more more so, um, but you know yeah we'll just have to kind of wait and see yeah so yeah. Um, and what I've seen is like a lot of retailers who were just um, basically storefront face to face businesses have had to like yeah. suddenly move all online create an online yeah. retailing space within like a couple of months so people have been yeah. like frantically you know doing that um, I think. The difficult thing about retailing online has always been fit and customer expectation and Mm -hmm. returns. Returns to me has been a big um, issue and especially Mm -hmm. with, especially, um, you know, nowadays where so many big retailers are giving such lenient um, returns policies um, that people are not thinking twice, thinking clearly before making that purchase yeah um I, yeah i totally agree 
Yeah. I mean, I'll, I've, I'll, I, I'll go and look at some orders on our website. Like, oh, that looks like a good order. And then you click on it, you're looking at it, and it's, um, it's the same three shirts in the same three colors in two different sizes. Mm. And you're like, well, half of that's coming back. Yeah. Um, and people online shopping have become so accustomed to, you know, free returns mm. and free shipping. And, um, I mean, it's, it's kind of like part of it has, it's part of it's a price to pay mm. to, you know, to be in that space. And, yeah. you know, and then you also have these, you know, you've got these three units that you probably could use. You don't know which three are coming back. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you've got this sort of lag time. Mm. Um, and it makes but, cash flow very difficult as well. Um, yeah, it can be complicated. I think, I mean, are, are the Young Maven core buyer, I, I don't think is, uh, we, have a, we have a good solid following. Mm. And I, I, th- I think uh, a, lot of, a lot of the people who buy Young Maven uh, are just a little, maybe they're just a little bit more easygoing. Because uh, it's not fast fashion, mm, um, and they, uh, you know, we've developed like a real solid following in, in, in the brand in that mm. way. I think that's so. the most important thing it, when it, when you boil it down is brand and who your customers are, knowing who your customers mm-hmm. are, and being really clear about your core values to mm-hmm. potential new customers. Um, what scares me the most though, maybe not, not necessarily to do with directly affecting our own businesses, but this like moving more, more businesses online and doing more online shopping, the carbon footprint that shipping has Mm -hmm. is what really like makes me nervous in terms of like, oh, I can just buy this thing and return it or, or. People might people are buying things without the intention of even keeping them. Um, like you, they call them, what do they call them? This is like a new word for them. But yeah, they're basically people who like want to buy something, take it a selfie in it, and then return uh-huh. it. Um, uh-huh. And that's like a new. It's like such a f- big new phenomena that they've made a word for it. I'm like, mm-hmm. I wish I could remember what word that was, but. Yeah. Um, do you have any thoughts on on how how one can make like this a bit more sustainable? I I once let me just say yeah. first one thing that I really liked mm-hmm. when I went to your website was that a little pop up message came up to say that I was shopping from Thailand and there were there was a bit of a rundown of like. Um, you maybe charge the the VAT and blah blah like it kind of mm-hmm. mapped out what to expect when ordering from your site. That yeah. was interesting. We do. I mean, we we we're shipping a lot more international orders, um, and then we also. I mean, we do. I mean, we do try very hard to steer people to the stores that carry our product. Yeah. Um, you know, because there are. You know, there are our, our retail partners and they're, mm. they're kind of like our, you know, if that's the best place to go and try something on, then you're, you're supporting a local business. Totally. Uh, but, I mean, people do live in places that uh, uh, where that's not possible. Um, and, yeah, that was an app that we had just recently launched that has made it a little bit more possible 
to have real time shipping information. And, and because I mean, some of the, some of the costs associated with shipping one shirt overseas is, is it's, it's very high. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for, so for example, a country like Thailand, if um, the goods are over the value of a thousand baht, which is about 30 bucks, um, mm-hmm. you can which be is subject. every, basically yeah. every young maven shirt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. You, you will be, you will be dutied up to 60% of the value oh of, my goodness yes yeah that's 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 crazy yeah. yeah so you know having having this like pop i thought that having that pop-up was really mm-hmm. effective and um yeah um i thought it was a really great idea um, mm-hmm. yeah um has there been anything in particular that's caught your attention recently anything at all um in terms of could be to do with the business or it could be just to do with culture as or yeah what have you been getting I don't, into you know, recently uh recently what have we been getting into we are all i think just kind of adjusting to uh taking a little time out mm. um i you know uh you know society has been sent to the corner mm. yeah. <laughs> we, we all, we're all in a time out right yeah, now we're all in the naughty uh, corner Exactly. I mean, we um, are all living through the same thing to a degree, uh, some better than others. Mm. Um, but the reality is that, you know, uh, life uh, as we've known it, mm. um, that we've taken for granted, um, is now on pause. Mm. And as a result of that, though, I think it's also allowed us to take a little bit of a step back. I mean, maybe it's kind of interesting. That's the year 2020. Everybody says hindsight's 2020. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. you know, you know, uh, the year 2020 is definitely going to go down as not being perfect vision. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's you know, um, it's it, I think it's going to be uh, a year that everybody is going to look at 2020 and 21 and hopefully be like, okay, let's have a do over. You know, it's. Um, you know, but it's forcing people to spend more time and focus on some of those little things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, uh, you're spending time at home, you're spending time with family, um, and it's you know, it's a little, it's a little bit of time to just kind of um, stop. Mm-hmm. You know, we're spending a lot of time in our garden right now, uh, Where and are you we are uh, we're growing sunflowers. Oh. Uh, and we're growing uh, tomatoes, all from seed, and and basil, and kale, and leeks, and um, uh, uh, salads, and things like that. And part of it has just been, you know, uh, some of the nurseries are closed, mm. or and we had gone early on uh, before things really went into lockdown in Portland, and uh, bought a bunch of seeds. Um, and, or we'll make a very, you know, targeted strike effort to go out there and get something if we, if we need it. But it's not like, um, it's not like it has been in the past when we're making some food and we realized we didn't have shallots and we're just going to go get some shallots, you know, or whatever that is that, 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 that's over for now, you know, and, um, you know, we miss going to restaurants and we miss going to 
see our friends and have social, you know, social bonding activities and things like that. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah. it's, it's a wake up call. So yeah. make the best you know. of what you can. Yeah. 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 I mean, we're, we're, you know, we've been cooking bread like everybody else on the internet, you know? Um, but you know, we're, we're also very busy. My wife and I are work from home and, and, uh, we, we don't have that. You know, I, I see these people on the internet who are doing like sourdough starters and it takes you, you get, you've got to go and like track this thing like every hour or half hour. You know what I mean? I don't have time for that. I don't really have any more time to do anything than what I used to, except for on the weekends we're, we're, we're spending more time at home, uh, and less time going places. Um, and you know, we're also spending, we're not, we're not shopping in the same way. Uh, we're trying to bring, you know, we're trying to focus our meals out a little bit more perhaps and mm. trying to grow more of our food. You know, everybody's doing it, you know, yeah. everybody's a little victory garden right now. Yeah, a little wartime so, garden. Exactly. Yeah. Well, so. well, thank you so much for your time, Bob. That was thank really, you. It was really, a pleasure. Yeah, it was really yeah. fun. And, um, yeah, I hope that your garden brings you many plentiful things. And, um, yeah, I I don't know when we're going to see each other in real life well, again. Well, yeah, we'll just have to figure that out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But. Yeah, keep in touch um, about how how the new format of the trade show goes. Oh, by the way, are you going to actually do any of those um, online trade shows that the the main shows are trying to promote? I think we're going to be doing the the man women one. Okay. Um, they're going to be launching a uh, a new platform. Mm -hmm. I've seen like a I don't know if you've seen it a little teaser of it. No, I haven't. Uh, I haven't but, opened that um, email yet. <laughs> uh, we should, um, but uh, I think it, it it could be interesting in in a in a nice way of uh, connecting buyers and sellers mm. in in a virtual space, and I think it's a lot going to be a lot of the same buyers mm. and same sellers. So <clears throat> it could be a good way to connect. Yeah, um, I think they're also trying to put a, like a little nice social element to it. Um, right. But it's certainly not going to be like um, like an in-person trade show. Mm. Um, for folks out there who want to check out Young Maven, how do they do that? They can go to youngmaven.com. Okay. And uh, yeah. All right. Thanks awesome. a lot. Bye. Good to everybody. chat. Good to Speak chat. Soon.